What's up, everyone? Thanks for listening to another episode of Repros for Iowa. I'm your host, Micah Doolin, and my pronouns are they, them, she. I just want to once again thank everyone for showing up to our rally last weekend. It really did mean the world to me. Um, I want to thank everyone who helped me organize. Um, It was awesome to see that support within the community, and I'm just really thankful and really proud, and my heart is super full. Um, So on December 16th, if you weren't able to come to our rally, on December 16th at 11.15, some City High students are going to be hosting a walkout and a march to the University of Iowa Pentecrest in honor of reproductive justice and abortion rights. They are going to be speaking out on what's going on in front of the Supreme Court. It's really amazing to see these youth organizers get involved. Too often we forget to talk about our youth when it comes to this movement, Um, so let's all show up and get involved with them and show our support. I hope you can make it. If you can't do the march, they're just asking for people to meet at the Pentecrest at around 11.45 a.m. or noon. Um, They're going to be hosting speakers. I will be one of them, so that's pretty exciting that they asked me to do that. I'm really, really thankful that they asked me, Um, and it will just be a really good time. It'll be nice to hear from the younger generation and how they're getting involved and how we need to also fight with them and not forget them. Um, So yeah, it's going to be a great time. Um, Also, side note, I am going to be wrapping up season one by mid-January. I will be taking a break from about February to April. Um, I I just need a break, (laughs) Um, but but I'll come back with the season two. Um, But for the wrap-up of season one, I'm planning on doing a QA. and a so if you have any questions you want to ask me, please feel free to reach out at reprosforiowa at gmail.com. I'm also still taking interviews, so if you'd like to speak with me, please let me know and we'll get you scheduled and we'll have a good time. Um, So, as always, I just want to do a mental health check-in. I've been feeling kind of off lately for the last couple weeks since I started this new medication called Abilify. Um, At first, it was giving me tremors, and now it's just making me feel weird. I don't know if it's because it's doing its job and this is just how I am, if maybe I'm just a weird person, Um, but I've been feeling very anxious and I've been feeling very rushed. I've just had a lot of racing thoughts. I've been very impulsive in my thinking lately um, and how I react to other situations. Um, So it's something maybe that I just need to work on, Um, but I'm feeling good, like depressive, not being depressed. Um, So I feel good that way, but the other way is just weird and that's all I can really describe it as. Um, But I hope maybe I can have a conversation with my psychiatrist um, and see if maybe that there's a better medication for me out there. Um, You know, medication is supposed to be helpful and if it's not doing its job properly, you know, it's okay to tell your doctor or it's okay for me to tell my doctor that, you know, maybe that this isn't really working out for me. Um, and that we need to make a switch. Um, And so I'm trying not to get discouraged. Um, I've gotten discouraged because of medication in the past, um, but I really don't want that to happen this time. I really wanna stay on meds and try to find what works for me. Um, So other things that I'm going to be working on in the next coming weeks is challenging my distorted thinking. So my therapist told me about the different styles of distorted thinking. There's, you know, there's tons of them out there, like black and white thinking, jumping to conclusions, all these types of things. Um, And so I'm going to make a list and put them in my bathroom mirror. So every day when I get ready, I can look 
through that list of distorted thinking styles. And so when I go about my day, I can be like, hey, this is how I'm thinking. So then I can try and challenge that. Um, so I think it's a really good idea. I'm super excited to do it. I wish I've done it, wish I had done it sooner. Um, but you know, it is what it is and I'm excited to work on it now. I think it's going to be really helpful, especially for my borderline personality di diagnosis and also for my depression. Um, so, and my anxiety, I've, I've got a lot going on. Um, but yeah, I think it will be super helpful. And the reason why I share this is that maybe somebody else listening will also find it helpful. I don't know. You'll have to let me know if you find it helpful, I guess. Um, so sobriety check it. Um, I am still plugging away in my sobriety. Um, last night I craved alcohol so bad and it was the stupidest reason, uh, for the stupidest reason. I, you know, was listening to a podcast and they briefly mentioned drinking in it and it was just a true crime podcast. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh, a drink sounds so good. And I was like fighting the urge just to leave work once again and like, you know, just drink in my car. And, you know, I can't do that. And I didn't do that. But it was just like the way it hits you sometimes. It's just like, oh, it's overwhelming. Um, so luckily I have that Randy Blythe, Lamb of God cameo where he talks to me about sobriety. And he reminded me that I need to take it one day at a time and one moment at a time. And so that's what I did. I just, I ended up calling Tyler on FaceTime and being like, hey, this is what's going on. And then also, you know, I ended up getting some kombucha because kombucha is kind of had that placebo effect. It kind of took the edge off. Um, so I was able to make it through and I'm just, I'm glad that I made it through because I'm glad that I'm sober. Um, I'm coming to the realization in these first couple of months being sober that I'm kind of weird um, when I'm sober, but that's okay. I'd rather be weird and sober than um, mean and drunk and angry and just like pissed off at the world. So there's that. I mean, yeah, I'd rather be sober than, you know, living in the pit of despair that I create for myself when I'm drinking. So yeah, that's really it. Um, yeah, we're coming up on six months here pretty soon, or I am, so I'm super excited about that. Um, so today's Saturday. I'm going to be pretty busy. I might hang out with a friend later on, um, and I'm going to be doing some community activities as well, um, just to get involved and um, just to meet people and chat with people. Um, I get lonely sometimes just because I am introverted. And then I'm just going to, as always, tomorrow and today probably also getting, be getting some video game playtime in. Um, and it should be fun. Um, but I've been talking for a while now, I just realized. Um, and so we're going to get to the interview. This interview I did is with Sakawis Nobis. She's the director and founder of Great Plains Action Society, and she is amazing. She's so knowledgeable. Um, she fights for indigenous rights, and she's gonna be speaking about the Haida Amendment, and it's, it's a really great and also very frustrating interview. And I say frustrating just because of the, some of the things that she's had to deal with and some of the things that she talks about is very frustrating, um, but it's a really good one, and I hope you guys learned you know, learn a lot from it. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. So before we get to the interview, um, Sakawas asked me to do an exact definition of the Hyde Amendment. 
Um, so I will just be reading off the Planned Parenthood website um, about what that is. Um, so they say, for far too long, the United States has penalized low-income people for seeking abortion, forcing those already struggling to make ends meet to pay the biggest proportion of their income for safe legal care. Since 1976, the Hyde Amendment has blocked federal Medicaid funding for abortion services. Since 1994, there have been three extremely narrow exceptions when continuing the pregnancy will endanger the patient's life or when pregnancy results from rape or incest. So this means that Medicaid cannot cover abortion even when a patient's health is at risk and their doctor recommends they get an abortion. When insurance coverage provides for all pregnancy-related health care except abortion, it interferes with the private health decisions that are best left to the patient, their doctor, and their family. The Hyde Amendment is a dangerous and unfair policy that lets politicians interfere with people's personal health care decisions. So just to recap, the Hyde Amendment is, one, a 40-year-old ban on federal funding for abortion except in cases of rape, incest, or a threat to a woman's life, and two, a restriction we must repeal to make abortion care available to all and not just those who can afford it. Um, so this falls right in line with what I've talked about in episode one, which is reproductive justice. Um, so that's, yeah, just a um, brief definition. Um, and it goes on to read that the Hyde Amendment's abortion policy hurts Medicaid enrollees. So consider these facts, 15.6 million women and this does not include non-binary trans folk like myself, um, ages 19 to 64 have Medicaid coverage. If every state expands its Medicaid program as the Affordable Care Act allows, about 1.5 million additional women um, would newly be eligible for Medicaid coverage. And Medicaid coverage provides one in five women of reproductive age. Um, and due to the structural inequalities of our country that link racism, sexism, and economic inequality, people of color are disproportionately um, comprise the majority of Medicaid enrollees. In fact, 30% of Black women and 24% of Hispanic women are enrolled in Medicaid compared to 14% of white women. Um, so the Planned Parenthood goes to list on the consequences, uh, you know, of some of these statistics, and the fact that um, abortion isn't provided. Um, federal, it's not federally funded because of the Hyde Amendment. So the consequences, um, thanks to the Hyde Amendment, when someone has made the personal decision to end a pregnancy but cannot afford to, they may forego basic necess necessities such as heat and electricity in order to save the required funds. They may even resort to self-inducing an abortion or obtaining an abortion from an untrade or unlicensed practitioner. Um, so yeah, it's definitely one of those ones where it's definitely affecting people that are low income, um, people that are on Medicaid, um, and that's a lot of people. 15.6 million women, not including trans or trans folk or non-binary people, that's a lot of people. Um, so we have to make sure that we are writing to our legislators and to our state representatives that we want them to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Um, so Planned Parenthood lists a website that if you want to go take action, um, you can definitely do that. It's called allaboveall.org. Um, and I'm just going to click on this link. Yep. So it is a fight for abortion justice. And you can just sign up. And I'm pretty sure that they are trying to take steps to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Um, you know, when we talk about ways to get involved, this would be a really good 
good resource for you all. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing that we can do to get involved um, to make sure acts like this are repealed, these very harmful acts that perpetuate, you know, continual poverty and stuff like that, um, we need to make sure that we are upholding um, candidates that are going to fight for our reproductive justice freedoms. Um, we need to make sure that we are paying attention to who's on the ballot um, and where they stand on these issues. Um, so yeah, that's just a quick overview. I hope that that made sense. And I hope that you guys learn a lot from this interview with Sakawas. Um, it's a really great interview, um, but thank you. Okay, so thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Like, I'm super excited that you're uh, <laughs> willing to do this interview. Um, can you go ahead and introduce yourself, your pronouns, and tell me about a little a little about who you are and what you do. Yes, um, my name is Sakawis Anobis and I'm Plains Cree Salto of the George Gordon First Nation and that is in Saskatchewan. And I'm also, I also grew up in Winnipeg, uh, which is not too far from there. That's in Manitoba. This is in Canada. And uh, I've been living in Iowa City, Iowa for 15 years now. And I'm a uh, mother of three and um, I, founded and I'm the executive director of Great Plains Action Society. Great. Um, well, you wanted to speak about the Hyde Amendment day today. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So when abortion uh, was made legal uh, in the U.S., um, that's what is that, 40 years ago, no, 40 something years ago now, um, the Hyde Amendment was put in place uh, because uh, the this country does not want to uh, pay or support uh, abortions with federal uh, funds. And so there's never been uh, a, a, a legal uh, abortion um, performed uh, on a reservation. And it also uh, bans uh, the use of federal funds uh, for abortions in other sectors as well, uh, like the, the prison uh, complex. And so um, basically uh, it, uh, it's not providing essential services to uh, childbearing folks um, in places where they actually need them more than, you know, let's just say, uh, you know, suburban uh, Iowa. <laughs> you know, to, to provide that, that uh, dichotomy. Um, and, and the reason why these services are so much more essential um, in places like, you know, reservations um, is because we have a lot of crises uh, that uh, women um, in particular um, uh, are facing uh, that uh, make it, very much of it make it very much a need uh you know the the um indigenous uh women uh and girls um and then let's also you know be inclusive like non-binary folks folks and you know childbearing folks um they face like uh very high rates of poverty inadequate inadequate education um and and there's also uh reproductive health discrimination uh, for, you know, quality family planning resources in these areas. Um, and then also there's high unintended pregnancy rates. Um, you know, in 2017, um, it was reported that youth pregnancies 
um, are more than twice as high in indigenous teens than in white teens. So um, those reasons right there are reasons why, you know, um, abortions, you know, are definitely uh, needed. Um, and then also um, uh, the domestic violence rate um, in, uh, you know, these situations the, in these areas is also high. Um, and that's hard to talk about, you know, that the domestic violence is such an issue, um, you know, within our nations, but uh, due to the, you know, the high poverty rates due to the, you know, lack of employment and um, basically the results of colonization, like there are a lot of people that are still suffering, you know, mentally, um, and so, you know, we have like high rates of alcohol and drug abuse, um, which, you know, lead to these kinds of situations. Um, and so um, when, as you know, uh, people are in these kinds of situations, uh, you know, having a child makes it that much more difficult to leave a difficult um, environment. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and when you don't have access readily or easily uh, to a clinic or, you know, planning services, then, you know, you're more likely to go through with it. And um, this leads to, you know, uh, a lot of financial struggles, um, emotional struggles, and, uh, you know, and then there's the, um, if you're in a, a violent situation, it can, can perpetuate the violence. So, you know, this is, these are, these are hard things to talk about, um, especially as an Indigenous person myself, you know, to, to talk about like some of the situations that are like, that are, we are facing um, within our nations, but, um, but they are important and they are reasons why we definitely need uh, more access to, um, you know, abortion care. Uh, you know, just if, if you live on a, on a reservation, for instance, um, I, I don't know if you've been to any reservations, but often they're rural. Um, you know, they're really like usually quite distant from, a, you know, a larger um, town or city. And so, um, you know, to drive uh, anywhere to get one, um, it takes a while. And if you don't have a car, which, you know, you might not have, um, that can be very difficult. Um, what are the way some of the ways that um, you and Great Plains Action Society are trying to fight on um, some of these issues like domestic violence, like the Hyde Amendment? Uh, what is some of the work that you're trying to do? Um, so I guess there's theory and practice in a way. Um, you know, theory meaning discussing and education. Uh, we we I I've I myself have have written a lot on on this issue um, and then put together forums uh, to interview people and then I participate in a lot of um, you know forums and interviews like such as this uh, to um, you know discuss that and then also events uh, you know I try to show up at events um, I was you know there Oh, geez. I don't know for, you know, the I wherever I can, you know, I'm just thinking about when Kavanaugh got voted in um, and I was at the <clears throat> Iowa Capitol building speaking or, you know, um, at the Women's March. I've been speaking there for four years now. 
and so you know just take, taking the opportunity to 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 talk about it wherever wherever i can um i have a bustle article like on this issue um and then i don't you know it's not just about speaking about um that the issue in and of itself um it's about the larger stuff too like vawa the violence against women act right that's still has not been reinstated. Like it's still sitting there waiting for Congress to pass it and in, back into law, you know, like it's still, um, it still needs to, it still needs that attention. And so what does that mean for the funding? I don't even know. I haven't been able to, I haven't actually looked into it lately. Like what's happening to all the funding that people need, that people get from this uh, program. And uh, it, like, that's a lot of funding that goes towards keeping, you know, um, uh, women, LGBTQIA folks and uh, immigrant uh, folks um, safe. There's, there's actually special um, or, or like, I guess, increased uh, provisions in there for indigenous women, immigrant women and the LGBTQIA community who face like, you know, higher rates of uh, violence. Um, and so, that those those laws are also really important, I think, to uh, protecting abortion. Not that they specifically do that, but that they provide uh, resources that uplift and empower women and childbearing folks to speak up. You know, so um, I think when people are in better places, when they're protected, um, when there's like you know. Uh, feeling of security then people have more of an ability to um to say what's important and they have more time and you know what i'm talking about right like mm -hmm. if you're living in poverty um if you're a single mom you know all these things right like it's very hard to uh to do to do the things that like that matter you know well that's not true. Like you're doing things that matter. You're taking yeah. care of your children. You're, you're, you're trying to feed them. You're working all these things. Right. What I'm saying is it's hard to, to partake in, in the process of change making. Um, because if you don't have the time to do it, then how do you do it? Right. So that's why I think that um, we need to talk about all these, all these other issues as well. Um, I speak a lot about Christianity, specifically Christianity um, and the fact that it just needs to go at this point. Um, I, I, I don't think people understand sometimes like how greatly that is like the, how, how greatly that affects everything, how it's like, it's sort of like the, uh, the foundation of all of these um, issues of hate and uh, oppression and injustice that we face. And people just, they, they don't want to talk about it. Um, you know, if we're talking about like banning abortions, then we have to talk about Christianity. Like you just, you have to, it's, it's essential to the argument because this is where the majority of these folks are getting their fuel. You know, um, this is where this, you know, ideology, uh, is coming from, um, that, uh, women's and, and, and non, uh, uh and child, women and non-binary folks and childbearing folks, like this is where, like, uh, this idea is coming from where people need to um, to police um, their bodies, um, and uh, it, it's actually it's interesting because when I think about the ban on abortions, I think about also the anti-LGBTQ movement, 
-hmm. like because they both come from you know biblical ideologies and so um you know those two issues together actually are facing like a similar environment um but yeah so we i do those things uh and then other uh, folks from great plains as well um particularly trish trisha ottringer um speaks about this she was actually at that um that rally uh against kavanaugh and then um keely keely driscoll who is uh our youth organizer um here uh in in iowa city uh also spoke about this a couple times um and so you know we we do our best to 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 just spread the word and provide the indigenous perspective um, but then, you know, we do have in per, we do have like, you know, stuff we do, um, that, you know, we just, where we uplift and empower, um, particularly, uh, indigenous women and girls and, and, and like, um, and, uh, and non-binary folks, um, and trans folks, uh, we just, um, two-spirit is what we call them. Um, and we, uh, we just want to empower uh you know people so that they 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 can talk about the issue and they can take action so you know we uh in for instance in sioux city this past summer uh we hosted a um a self-defense class um in sioux city um and, uh, you know, and we had a youth camp called Protect the Sacred. Um, and these are all about uplifting, you know, cultural and traditional uh, practices um, and uh, providing education um, and, and resources along with it. Um, so I guess that's uh, the way of like, you know, getting involved and um, making a difference. Thank you for all the work you do. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit. Um, so why, I know you mentioned at the rally, like um, when issues affect white people, white people are starting to um, stand up. Um, why, why do you think that is? Uh, why do you think that, or, and then also how do you think, um, you know, I'm a white person. How do you think that we can use our voices to make change? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I say that because, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, that's just the way it, you know, most people don't do anything until it affects them. Right. Right. Which is, you know, it's, it's, that's changing slowly, I think, Um I do see a lot more people standing up for issues that, uh, you know, they, you know, don't necessarily affect them, but they know that, well, it doesn't affect them like, you know, maybe um, in their immediate circle or like their immediate bubble, you know, but um, everything that is happening affects everybody, you know, like if the well being, um, uh, you know, a society that is doing well um is doing well in all aspects you know like um where people are cared for and it's a you know an, an economy based on compassion for instance you know um and uh so 
you know, of course, like that's how you can look at it from a larger perspective, but then, you know, um, most people don't think that way. I don't think, um, I think like, it's like, if, if it's not happening, if it's not like affecting them within their immediate circle, like they just kind of brush it off and they don't really, um, you know, care too much, but, um, you know, it, it, of course, like when, when things happen to white women, um, you know, in, in this society, people, you know, then people do something. I mean, um, I mean, like, let's, a good example is like, um, oh, what was her name? Uh, Petito? Um, Um, Gabby. Gabby, Gabby Petito. Well, when she went missing, you know, as you know, everybody went like, really hard to to find her um media and resources uh were put into this like you wouldn't believe um but yet uh in the um the state of utah um where she was from i think there was 710 reported cases uh from the past few years um of missing uh indigenous people (laughs) you know what i mean like so like where was the fanfare for that? Where was the media for that? Um, and so that's a really good example of like how it's also working with anything else, like other issues we face, right? Um, like this abortion access, indigenous people have not had access to abortion now for over 40 years within our own sovereign territories. And so, like, why hasn't anybody talked about that, you know, like, or what, uh, what um, this, the Hyde Amendment does to folks in prison, you know, Um, so, like, we, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's just, it's the colonial mindset, unfortunately. Um, And I'm really glad that people are at least providing some indigenous peoples with a platform to speak about this. It's important. Um, And so, you know, hopefully with the conversations that we're having like this, um, you know, we can also shed more light on the um, long-term issues that have also been a part of this. Not, Not to say that like, you know, there hasn't been like pushback. I mean, there's always pushback um, at abortion access, as you know. And um, I mean, look what's happening in Texas right now. Um, but that uh, the historical um, issues that surround all of this that affect BIPOC folks um, really need to be looked at. I mean, not even just BIPOC folks, like LGBTQIA folks, right? Um, lack of access to abortions has also affected this community. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. That's a great answer. Thank you uh, for explaining that. Um, let's see. Um, can you tell me, and I know we weren't really going to discuss this today, uh, or maybe if you want to, 
you wanted to talk a little bit about the forced sterilizations and how this um, disproportionately affects the indigenous people with uterus and um, why do you think that they do this? Why? Yeah, <laughs> that's the question, sorry. Well, I mean, um, it's obvious that um, colonizers don't see indigenous people um, or people of color, you know, black, black, uh, black folks, uh, Latino, Latina folks, um, as as fully human. I really don't think. I mean, I really don't think that they do. Um, and I think this all stems from again um, the uh, the the tropes of Christianity. Um, I think that uh, you know, if you think that people are going to go to hell because they don't. Um, you know, practice the same uh, religion as you, then you're obviously not going to see them necessarily um, as a fully human, you know? And so um, what's been happening with, um, well, well, first of all, you probably already know about like forced sterilizations within the prison industrial complex, right? That's been happening for a long time as well. And, um, uh, BIPOC folks are, uh, are definitely more affected, uh, by this. Um, but, uh, in Canada, uh, just up until like a couple of years ago, I believe, um, they were sterilizing indigenous women against their will. Um, and I'm trying to think, was that just on reservations? Like they would come in and do that or no, I think it's like, it's just like in hospitals in general. Okay, gotcha. Um, insane. <laughs> yeah, um, they were coercively sterilized between 2005 and 2010. Wow. So, and the, 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 the most uh, recent case that they know of is in, in 2019. Wow. So, um, they they live in remote areas right and um they, they so how it works in canada is like there's a lot of remote areas okay like like even to give birth for instance like women have to be um flown into like you know toronto or montreal or winnipeg you know what i mean and so they go there and they go there a long time before their due date too sometimes right because they don't know when they're going to have the baby. And so it's a really weird, it's like they're, they're taken away from home. I actually wrote a paper on this um, and uh, they, they, they're taken away from home and they're, uh, they, they don't have anybody around them. They're very lonely. It's a very difficult time. And, um, and they're, a lot of them, like they don't, they're, they're not being informed of their rights and um, like even their reproductive rights and their, you know, and sexual health. And um, so they, Alberta had a law for instance, like this is Alberta, had a law for instance, um, requiring a sterilization of uh, folks that were considered like mentally defective, if you can believe that that was the term, but that was the term. Uh, and that wasn't until, that was just until 1972. So like, it's not like all this stuff is like, you know, like a long time yeah. in the past. I mean, this is like, this is still, still happening. I think BC also had the same law um, until 1973. Um, and so, you know, that kind of culture 
And obviously that was like a targeted towards indigenous people. Right. And so of that kind of culture that, you know, just was still around just like, you know, 40 years ago is still like reminiscent within the, you know, the communities. Um, and so, um, you know, this is why indigenous women are still getting sterilized today. Um, I think, I can't remember the number, but I think it's like 70 women, 60 or 70 women that put together a lawsuit. Um, I want to say in Saskatchewan. Um, to uh, obviously to bring light to this. You know, the, the dehumanization of indigenous people is just like, it's just part of the, the colonizer process. Um, it's part of their, you know, they say they want to civilize us. Like that's the doctrine of discovery, you know, yeah. the manifest destiny ideology. Um, but also they, they want to genocide us. You know, what a, if you can't outright kill people like, you know, like the wild west days, like the frontier days, well then, you know, like let's sterilize them. That's, that's basically how I see it. And I know nobody wants to really admit that, but that's really like, sad. that's exactly what's happening. That's super sad. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. The, the stories are sad. Um, I've read a story somewhere um, about a woman screaming, you know, that she didn't want it and they did it anyway. Um, it's a, uh, I yeah I don't have words yeah it's infuriating as well um oh sorry I gotta breathe and drink some coffee real quick um, yeah so I have two more questions um why do you why do you think ending white this white Christian patriarchal society is the key for fighting for indigenous rights and sorry. I, uh, I know you kind of went over this a little bit already but why oh, no, 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 sorry. I didn't quite understand the question why do why, I think why do you think ending um, Christianity is one of the keys in fighting for indigenous rights oh yeah um well, uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, it's, um, it's, it's the foundation for like what all of this is built upon. Um, this country was built, you know, for the sake of stealing land and labor to build whatever they wanted to build, right? So, um, and all of that, again, goes back to the doctrine of discovery and, um, that's a, you know, a Christian, that's a Christian ideology. And, um, you know, even colonial capitalism, capitalism comes out of Christianity. Uh, and um, that idea has been forced, you know, around the world, um, forced and enforced uh, around the world. Um, and all these issues that we're facing, in my opinion, all the really difficult issues, like the really hard ones, uh, the climate crisis, um, you know, uh, um, the the detention of children at the borders in cages, uh, you know, um, ethnic cleansing even around the world, um, and and the lack of or the um, 
the lack of abortion access. All of these come from, uh, you know, Christian, Christian ideologies. And so like, we just need to do away with, with Christianity. Christianity is why my people were genocided. I mean, like if I, if I don't like, if people don't, I wish people would just finally see that for what it is. I wish they would just see that it's a, it's a, it's a faulty, it's a faulty um, religion. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's anything that can be redeemed or changed at this point. It is what it is. The Bible says what it says. People are never not going to uh, return to that and use that. Um, and I think that um, instead of trying to fix it um, and, and it's, you know, people just need to stop because they're perpetuating it regardless because you can't change what the words say in the Bible. I mean, I guess you can, because people will say, well, you can translate it this way. Or you can translate it this way, right? But in the end, let's just be honest. It's just like a really like misogynistic God who like, you know, hates everybody. And I just, I don't see why we need to perpetuate that anymore. It's, um, it's, uh, it's something from another era. It's something that absolutely does not fit into this this time and um it uh it's 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 a there they are mythologies from a couple thousand years ago that just need to remain mythologies and not um literally the the you know how people would say it, the word of god right and now people can twist it to like fit what they need it to. And you see that happening over and over again. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Quran um, and the Torah, you know, those are also uh, codified religions that, in my opinion, need to go as well. Yeah. Um, so I just pissed off the majority of the world by saying that. But um, I, I agree with you. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so last question. Um, I always ask people um, what they think listeners can do to get involved. Um, so what can we, we as listeners do to help fight for Indigenous rights and fight against the Hyde Amendment? And yeah. Um, I mean, su support um, who you know locally um whether it be like financially or uh um uh, just uh emotionally you know like <laughs> um getting involved you know like getting involved uh, going to actions um uh having hosting your own actions your own rallies your own uh forums to to discuss this writing op-eds um you know voting to get Kim Reynolds out um the other day I was like screw it you know like we don't really need to to live within the confines of their rules right like let's build our own clinics if we have to mm -hmm. um and do it um but at the same time like yes we want to make that change and we should be doing that we should just be like fuck it like we don't need to listen to them like we don't need to listen to those old white men anymore yeah. right like let's just go do what we need to do at the same time let's keep voting so that we get out 
we can get these people out of office. Um, because, you know, it's a complicated subject. I, I, I do know like anarchists and radicals, you know, like to say, burn it all down and let's do this and let's do that instead. But in the meantime, we're still dealing with a very oppressive system that like we are all, um, we're all stuck under or within, you know? And um, what do we do in the meantime? Well, we have to make change from within. I, I call it infiltrating the system. Um, you know, getting better people in office, um, and uh, and and that's that's slower. That's slower change, um, but let's let's pair that with you know more radical change too, and um, that's that's the best way I can see making a difference um, because we need to do it from all aspects. Awesome. Well, that's all I have for you. Um, unless you can think of anything else that you didn't get to go over. Um, yeah. Um, I didn't do too good of a job explaining the exact definition of the Hyde Amendment. Okay, yeah. But um, I mean, I don't know if you edit your podcast at all. Yeah. Um, if you want to add like a little like definition of the Hyde Amendment at the beginning. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely do that. Um, besides that, no, I mean, I just appreciate, um, well, actually, I do have one story I want to tell you. Okay, um, yeah. I was talking about the dehumanization of, um, of Indigenous women, and I wanted to talk about Cindy Gladue, um, who um, I believe, I mean, I, 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 think, I think she was um, a sex worker, and um, she... Uh, went uh, to a man's hotel room. His name um, is, is Bradley Barton and um, he murdered her. Uh, and that she suffered, she bled to death from uh, uh, an 11 centimeter wound in her vaginal wall. So like she, and I think they found her in the bathtub. They, what they decided to do, the lawyers or the court, is they decided to preserve her vagina so that they could show the courtroom like the wound right they did not talk to the family about this they did not ask for consent from the family they did not uh think about indigenous practices when it comes to uh, death and burial um they just did that and they came and they they produced it in uh in the courtroom they did not warn the family about this the family was obviously like traumatized my question has always been like why and that's what indigenous women across the country were asking why people were i mean we were angry very very angry um because i i don't think that they would ever do this to a white woman um, and that's what I mean by seeing being seen as less than human. I don't know why they would make such a decision when pictures are fine. Um, and also knowing uh, indigenous customs, which let's be honest, like at this point in Canada, most courtrooms are aware that there are, we have our own, because we're in court all the time. They're aware that we have our own ways of doing things when it comes to burial, like, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and so 
like when when we talk about the dehumanization of indigenous um uh, peoples uh this right here is a very in my opinion um a very good example of that it's it's really sad and i the trauma that was inflicted upon her family it really bothers me and uh indigenous women across the country uh indigenous not just women i'm sorry indigenous uh, folks um were very incensed. I say women in particular because it was women that were, you know, obviously speaking up about this. But uh, you know, I I, I don't want to be. I want to include also like everybody. You know, everybody was like so upset. I was so upset. I mean, I'm from there, and I just like I like I'm. I didn't. I I I cried. I was like, how could they do that? Like, it's just so. Like, I I know this is not the right word to use, but like, I felt embarrassed you know, um, like to see her so dehumanized. That's insane. Why wouldn't they just use pictures? I have never heard of anybody preserving a body part for court. That's just weird. Right. And this happened in 2011. And um, I don't know. 2011? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh God. That's what I'm saying. So like, <laughs> this, is, this is like, this is so recent. And I think they didn't even produce that part until I, I don't know. I, I want to say it's a few years later. I don't know. I can't remember now. So they would have had to exhume a body four years later. No, no, no. They kept it. Oh, they kept it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, they didn't even bury her with it. That's what I'm saying. So they, you know, like the, our cultures were, our culture um, was not, uh, our, our culture was just ignored. Yeah. So, um, and this guy was acquitted. I don't know. I think there's like a new trial. They ordered a new trial at some point. I think that was in 2019. They ordered a new trial. So I don't even know like what's going on lately. I haven't like followed up on it in the past, like, you know, a little while. So I'm probably going to have to read about it. I was going to say, um, yeah, it's it's a hard case. It's a really difficult thing. Um, I just think that this is very telling of like how indigenous people are seen as less less than human. So, yeah. and it definitely, you know, again, is part of all this other stuff. So, yeah, thank you for listening to me about that particular story. Um, uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate all the work you're doing. Oh, thanks. Well, I appreciate the work you're doing. Um, I when you said yes, I'm just like yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. No. I yeah. I really do appreciate it. And um... okay, so that was our interview. I hope you found it informative. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me at reprosforiowa at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I also have a Patreon page set up if you feel like supporting the show monetarily. But until next time, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend and a great rest of your week. Mm -hmm.